Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All the Things podcast, episode number 49, Choosing the Right CMS. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joining again with my co-host, Mike Coran. And once again, Mike is forcing me to do his shameless self-plug saga, so we're going to have to read this again. It's going to take another, you know, 40 minutes, and I really do apologize for this. So if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there are a couple of ways to do that. Uh, review us on Apple Podcasts or the platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. So right now we only have two tiers, but the $3 tier will give you a shout out on the podcast. And uh, we also share a link to your website in the show notes. And probably the most important one is just to uh, actually share this. Tell your friends or anyone else that's interested in web development or uh, would be interested in listening to us. And uh, we also have a new Discord, with that being said. And you can uh, you can join that. We have a bunch of developers talking in there, whether they need help or just chatting about off-topic things or on-topic things, whatever they're working on, sharing their projects, etc. So without further ado, uh, we're going to be moving into our weekly pain points. And Mike, take it away. All right. Uh, my weekly pain point saga this week is context switching. Uh, context switching essentially refers to having to go from one thing to another, one project to another, one task to another really quickly. Uh, and this last week has been kind of tough because there's just been a lot of projects on the go. Uh, and I've had to constantly like, you know, work half an hour on this, get a call about something else, switch quickly to a completely different project, completely different environment. Uh, start working on that. Then in the middle of that, I'll get another call and I have to switch to another thing. And it just became kind of a mess. So I had to kind of cut that off, put like strict time frames on myself where I'm not even picking up the phone or not get, picking up any calls until I finish a feature at least just so I get some productivity because it takes me a little bit of time to like ramp up in each project as I do it because I have to set up my dev environment for a different like if it's a view dev environment, it's different than just a regular uh, website dev environment. If it's an Android dev environment, you know, so et cetera, et cetera is just context switching is a pain. I've gotten better at it, but I still suck. <laughs> what about you, Matt? So this week is uh, very in line with uh, what we're actually going to be discussing this week, and that is researching a new CMS. Specifically, uh, I was tasked with researching WordPress for about I don't know, maybe like a 12 or 24-hour period, something like that. And we just kind of like looked over a few articles, you know, watched a few videos, that type of thing. And then we, then you and I had a, a lengthy discussion, which is what we're going to be actually discussing today. Uh, we had a lengthy discussion regarding uh, CMSs as well as, you know, our future with them. Because one of the CMSs that we use isn't maintained as much as we'd like, so we'd like to sort of get one that's more advanced and maintained more if possible. Um, now, with that being said, I just want to kind of uh, preface this episode with the fact that this is not a, a standard episode with a, you know sort of lengthy show notes and a bunch of segments or anything like that. We basically just have a list of talking points, really quick bullet points, because Mike and I have actually discussed this two to three times this week. So we kind of have this fresh in our mind and we kind of wanted to discuss this because it's sort of an interesting development that I'm sure some of you will come come to when it comes to some of your projects. So I'm going to kick it off actually right into the episode here with a couple of our, our talking points and, and I'll just kind of lay out what happened and, you know, how do we get here? What's going on? And basically what that is, is that we um, I went and Mike and I went to go actually work in person and we were planning on just kind of laying more groundwork for our website. So if you're in our Discord, you know that we've actually mentioned a few times that we're, you know, we're going to do a really big facelift to our website, that the current website that's there is basically a demo and that we will be you know, doing a full facelift, a full, a full new idea, a full whatever. And 
basically we went from that idea we went to work a person like i said and we were going to we were just going to expand our expand basically what we have so we have a digital ocean you know we have a digital ocean spun up uh, we have everything spun up in vue.js everything is just sort of you know right there uh, there's a custom admin panel that isn't styled that type of thing like it's all everything's in a demo form like i said everything's in a demo form and we wanted to kind of you know really polish it out really kind of redesign some stuff because things are too big. Things are kind of laid out weird in some places. So that's basically what our goal was. Uh, and b- what basically ended up happening was, is for years and years and years, we refused or we didn't want to use WordPress. And we ended up coming out of that conversation with the idea that maybe we would use WordPress. Maybe we would use a different CMS like Webflow. Um, I know that when we first spun up the site, I think it was actually an episode where we actually had a discussion about how we wanted to use Webflow, but some of the ideas we had were they were going to be limited. And that is still true. There's a couple of the features in there. I think it's the availability bar or something. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but there's a, there's a, like a feature that's currently on the site that is like a little bit limited um, in terms of what you can do with Webflow, or at least how I know how to implement it. And as a result, we, we always stayed away from them. But then we kind of had a lengthy discussion where Right now, the website, the website as it sits, so htmlallthethings.com, it just puts out stuff that we've done. So it puts out things that, you know, our our podcasts, our blog posts, our articles, whatever we've written, uh, any of our templates or whatever, which is, you know, few and far between at this point. But anything that we've done for HTML, all the things kind of goes up there. And one of the things that we had discussed was that we want to have more content. We want to have it to be an active site. We want it to be a place that people can actually come and read about web development news or what's going on um, so that they can kind of get, you know, they can kind of get like the weekly rundown, if you will. And as a result of that, we need to kind of convert the look and convert the feel to more of a tech blog. But we still want this to be sort of a more, I don't really have a better word than say intimate, a sort of more intimate project where it's still very much, you know, this is, you know, this is the podcast. We still have like a friendly developer community that we want people to come out and chat, whether they're, you know, experienced or not. And we still want people to, you know, listen to the podcast and we still want people to show, share their work. So we came up with this idea where we were going to have, you know, tech stories from around the web, like whether we read something or uh, whether we saw something or had it shared to us. And we were like, hey, that's a cool article. We're going to share this on the site. Uh, we also... We also wanted to have uh, specifically a community spotlight pay, uh, not page, well, maybe a page actually. So like we're still kind of working out the details, but a page or like a segment or a section at least on the homepage that kind of showcases some of the community's work and we'll decide kind of how that shows up and like who gets selected or whatever. We haven't worked that out yet either. Um, so basically we want to have that and then obviously written articles like what Mike and I have done. And so we want it to ha- kind of be a more active page where, you know, you're kind of coming to the site more than you would if you were just a person that likes to read the show notes, which is, you know, approximately once a week. So we want to ensure that that it's a useful site that can be maintained that is expandable. So if we literally start just writing content like mad, that site is ready to accommodate us. And we want to make sure that it's constantly updated so that it's well, we, we had a major discussion about whether it's bookmarkable and what's bookmarkable and what does that mean? Um, and like what, what would cause someone to bookmark something? And so we want to basically make the site bookmarkable, specifically the homepage. And then, of course, there'll be the other pages, uh, some of the other pages that you've seen before, like the podcast page and that type of thing. Uh, now, like now, because this is all you know, conceptual, a lot of this stuff is subject to change, of course, is literally changing 
uh, every day or whatever. But I'm basically in the process of laying out the UI in um, in a wireframing software. We use Balsamic Cloud. That's basically where we are. So to kind of kick off this discussion after that preface is that basically what we want to do is we want to we're still in the midst of deciding whether or not we want to use our own. So we want to use Vue.js and kind of make our own admin panel and make our own front end and do the whole thing where we make everything from scratch. So basically we're reinventing the wheel or alternatively we could use WordPress, which is obviously a major CMS in the marketplace. That's obviously one of the most popular, if not the most popular, I think it is the most popular CMS around. So we could use that or we could use something that we're also familiar with, like Webflow, or alternatively, which is probably not going to happen, something that we've never used, never heard of before, or something that we've researched, found, and said, yep, this, is, this sounds good, let's do it. So that this is kind of where we sit. And it's a big crossroads, because you might think, well, you're just spinning up a website, but it is a big crossroads, because Mike and I have stayed away from WordPress since the beginning. Um, one of our websites was on WordPress. We didn't really have an enjoyable time setting it up because we were new. We were like, okay, let's just dive into actually learning how to like program sites from scratch sort of thing and really kind of like double down on that. However, now we're at this discussion where we're at the crossroads of we want this up relatively quickly, like not to rush it, but we want this up relatively quickly and we want it up. I don't want to sit here and you, like every little feature having to be something that we have to make rather than click a few buttons to spin up. And then that'll take months and months and months. And then if we get busy with client work, then it's a whole other thing. So we basically want this done is basically is basically the, the, the end of the game here, the end of the road. And this is why this discussion came up. And I think this is important. And I'll kind of pass it off to Mike in a second here. But I think this is important to have this discussion uh, to sort of end my section here is because we were also one of those people that were totally against using something pre-made for the most part, slowly started using um, – slowly started using Webflow and then also we used Couch CMS for simpler sites and now we're looking at using something that's like super popular that a lot of people use that have like a massive theming engine or template engine like WordPress so it's like it's like totally different than reinventing the wheel it's totally different than making your own thing this is like a completely different offshoot so I'm going to pass it off to Mike to kind of discuss more about this yeah absolutely so a, bi a big thing that I want to point out is um, like we went into this wanting to build our own roll our own kind of backend, frontend, everything uh, with the intention of obviously learning a lot, uh, building our, our own system to make it as flexible as possible and generating a bunch of content for HAD along the way. There was a lot of reasons why we decided to do it um, that way. But when we kind of sat down last week and we're talking about it, it comes like it's to the point where right now Matt and I are both fairly busy with client work um, so that it was a balancing act. Like I really want to do this like custom CMS, like, you know, creating my own, essentially a CMS or an API or a headless CMS and then having a front end role with it. I really want to do that. And we had this like long back and forth about like, should we do it? Should we not? And it came down to, well, if I do that, then I can't also generate content for hat. So I can't do my, like I've been planning, I've been doing my Vue.js guide um, and I, I'm planning a really big step part three to that guide that's actually really interesting. And I'll, I'll share some more details about it a little bit later. But essentially, that, that's kind of been my focus for hack content. I, I, I sat down like there have so much on my plate right now with, with client work that if I were to take on developing an entire you know, front end back end solution for us, 
Uh, and we've already developed like a very basic portion of it, but the features that we want to add are pretty extensive to it. Um, like making it, you know, feature parity with all the big CMSs out there, uh, you know, being able to edit, like having multiple people edit at the same time, stuff like that. Um, that that would have taken me a considerable amount of time. And as much as I wanted to do it, and I still want to do it, to be honest, I, I just think like we need something out there, like Matt was saying. So we that that's kind of where we're at. We we just need something that's a little bit more functional, something that shows our vision a little bit more. And the vision that I'm that I'm seeing is that as much as we, you know, as much as news and stuff is really cool and people will come back to look at the news and stuff, my big thing is the community that we're building. And I really really like the community that we're building. Like if you check out our Discord, if you check out uh, anyone that, you know, people talk to us all the time on Instagram and st Twitter and stuff, that's the thing that I'm most interested in with this project is promoting that community, creating a, a better cohesive developer community as we go, more learning, more information for them and, and just a better, like a better environment to learn uh, and get started in than they would have in a different place. And that, that's where I think the website needs to go. And I think it needs to go there quite quickly to take advantage of our growth. Um, so that's why we're even on this topic. Like why would he even use WordPress or whatever? So with that being said, uh, I think we're, we're at the point now, Matt, where we're kind of discussing, are we going to go with Webflow? Which is, I think the, the reason for that is the, is it's probably the fastest to get spun up at this point because Matt has a pretty good understanding of it. Um, there's a lot of different structure, structural things in there that make it a lot easier for us to spin up quickly. Uh, now it has a few disadvantages of cost and it's a little bit rigid in its, uh, limitations. So if there is a limitation, it's 100% limitate, like hundred percent, you can't get around it. It's not like a, you know, a limitation on a different platform where you can kind of just code yourself around it. Um, with a couple caveats, obviously, but essentially we're, I think we're in the process of discussing Webflow. Uh, should we go WordPress? Should we go a completely different CMS? And I don't know exactly where we left off with this discussion last week, but I, I kind of want, I'm kind of wondering where, where you're leaning towards at this point, Matt. Well, the thing is actually just to sort of even add some information to that is that one of the things that we had a discussion about WordPress was that we wanted to make it so that I was actually going to not download a theme and not download a template, which kind of sounds counterintuitive. But what we were going to do is we were going to use this as an opportunity to develop my skill at developing in WordPress, <clears throat> excuse me. So basically what was going to happen was, is I was going to literally start my own theme, make my own thing. And then like, obviously the back end or like the CMS part is basically done with WordPress. And so I was going to literally make my own theme. I was going to do my own UI type of thing, my own layout. And then that's how we were going to handle WordPress. And one of the major things that we discovered, and this will lead right into that conversation or that question answer that Mike said, or Mike asked was that I don't know what, what the big deal is about WordPress. Now, maybe I'm naive or whatever it is. Like there's nothing wrong with WordPress. I'm not ripping on it in any way, but in terms of other CMSs that I've seen, so Webflow is like a big one, um, even like couch and stuff like that. What I like to do for my customers, and I realize I'm not one of my customers, but what I like to do with my customers is, is I like to hold their hand through the filling out procedure of the page. So I don't like to just kind of toss them in with a, with a, uh, like a type. So essentially what WordPress is at its most, at its most basic core, I know you can add more to it, but just hear me out at its most basic core. It is primarily title 
image, like a featured image, and then a rich text thing where you can type your article in, and you can, you know, add your images, embed stuff, whatever, right? It's a rich text, massive rich text field, um, very versatile and whatever. But the issue is, is that a lot of people, or at least people that we've worked with, like to have a more complex page. They like to have a byline, like to have this and that and the other thing. And WordPress does support that. There are custom fields and other things like that. But there's a lack natively, right? There's plugins that handle this, but there's a lack natively of other types of controls that I've used very often. Um, things like toggle switches and little pieces of logic and that type of thing that allow a customer to have their hand held through the editing procedure where they literally go from the top and they fill in the title, then they go down and it literally says like toggle switch. If you toggle this on, all the fields marked with a one or whatever will appear on the page. If it says off, all the ones marked with a one will not and all the ones marked with a two will, like will appear. Like I'm literally trying to hold their hand so that they can't really make a mistake and if they make a mistake, the page still looks okay, um, but it will just have the wrong information and they can obviously you know refresh and fix that. But with WordPress, it just kind of seems like it's more, obviously it's more blog based because... I mean, the actual WordPress.com or whatever it is, like the one, the version that they host themselves is obviously like a blogging platform. But one of the things with WordPress is it seems to have expanded into other website types that aren't just blogs. And I don't really see why. It's absolutely capable of doing it, but it relies really heavily on plugins. Excuse me. So one of the problems is, is that, I don't really want to rely on a million and one plugins. Now, we've had this discussion just this morning, uh, Mike and I have, where obviously if we're using Vue or any type of node thing, there's a million and one dependencies that it depends on that are more invisible than the ones in WordPress. So WordPress literally has a UI where you go in, you add your plugin, you know, unless there's some sort of other installation process that you need for your particular plugin. In general, kind of look in a plugin marketplace, you select your plugin, you add it, you pay for it, whatever the situation may be, and then you use it. And so it's very apparent on WordPress that you're using a plugin. Whereas whereas here, like whereas in in Node, it's it's more invisible. So it's less apparent. But you're still getting the same the same procedure, I guess. Like this is this is this is exact this is the these are the exact things that we keep getting caught up on. Is like I'll be like, hey, like you know, with like these plugins, I don't want to rely on a million and one plugins. Like, there's a plugin that, that that's out there for, um, I think it's called Advanced Custom Functions or something, which is fine. And you know, you can add toggle switches and you can add all this stuff. But then I think to myself, why isn't that natively in WordPress? And that that's what bothers me. But then again, when we're using Vue and that type of thing, what am I using? Because I'm mostly doing the UI stuff. But like, what are we using? I guess I should say in the whole website that isn't native to Vue.js probably a bunch. There's probably a bunch of dependencies in there, or maybe it, maybe it's all native to Vue.js, but Vue.js has a bunch of dependencies in, its, in and of itself, which are essentially plugins that are, they're not Vue.js plugins to be clear, but they're essentially the same thing as a WordPress plugin where there's a bunch of dependencies. And so we're coming from a world where, well, ultimately this is the issue. We're coming from a world where we make everything custom, whether or not it relies on some sort of infrastructure. And now we're relying on more of a consumerized experience. And this is our issue with WordPress. I'm not saying don't use WordPress. I'm not saying that. Heck, we're considering using it. But I just think it's strange, personally, that things like Webflow and other CMSs we've used have a bunch of stuff that's very easy to hold the customer's hand through. Logic, you know, logic things, 
I don't know, date pickers, just stuff like that, right? Other fields than a rich text field or just like a text field. And it's not as easy as that. At least, and again, I'm brand new essentially to trying to actually develop in WordPress. So if I'm wrong, please correct me. But from what I can tell, none of this stuff is native. And every person I've talked to has said you need to use advanced custom functions. And my, my response is, is what happens if advanced custom functions stops being supported tomorrow? What happens to all that data? And I'm thinking about it in terms of a customer perspective. If I'm investing all this time in learning WordPress as a skill, and I've, I you know, spin up a WordPress site for a customer, and they have 1,000 or 1,500 articles they write for years, and all of a sudden advanced custom functions shut down. Now what do I say to them? Oh, sorry, all that logic and all those pages we have is now broken. I don't know what to do. Sorry. Like, we're going to have to develop some massive custom solution. It's going to cost you thousands of dollars because this plugin is gone. Now, a lot of people out there are probably saying there's other solutions that may come up, or maybe there are other solutions out there. Fine. But maybe they're not compatible with this. Who knows? And so this is this is sort of where... This is sort of, I think, the crossroads, or at least the crossroads for me, where we're super used to everything being custom, or at least we're in the majority of the control, and now we're kind of handing it over. Um, and then to, to another another point to, to Mike's thing, so I'm rather experienced with Webflow. We have a customer that really enjoys using Webflow, so I've learned it inside and out, been using it a lot. I really enjoy it. It's, for me anyway, it's rapid fire, firing up things, and it's all CSS. So I don't lose my CSS knowledge by making UIs in there because I'm literally, instead of typing in display flex, I'm clicking the display flex button. And so you're visually coding. We've gone through this in other episodes. You're visually coding websites on Webflow, at least in my opinion. And there, and, and what the difference between Webflow and WordPress is, is that if you think about it, WordPress is a, is a, it's hard to edit, but there's wiggle room there. And what I, and, and, when I say that, it's if you download a template and somebody wants you to make another page for it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to spin up another page or another like type of page is what I mean, like a big visual change. It's not the biggest or it's not the easiest thing to do, but generally it's doable. You know, there's wiggle room there. If your WordPress is running poorly and your server does have more power that it could offer, you can, you know, manipulate your PHP and that type of thing to sort of like change those boundaries. In Webflow, a lot of those boundaries are absolute. Sure, you can get around some things with inline JavaScript and that type of thing to like sort of circumvent the, the Webflow systems. But Webflow is very free to edit your stuff internally. But when you hit a boundary, oftentimes it's a boundary. And one of the boundaries is, well, one of the boundaries is price, just straight up. But one of the technical boundaries is that you can't have very large PDFs is a good one, is, is, is a good example. Um, you can't really host a million and one files on here. Like this is not a website. Like I, I, I personally wouldn't want to have a website on Webflow in which I host content for customers to download constantly. Like if that's the, is that, if that is the focus of my website, I really wouldn't want to use Webflow for that. I'd probably want a custom, you know, file structure and the whole bit. And you really can't you do that in in Webflow because you don't have FTP access. You really can't do that in Webflow unless you have some sort of external file system that you're connecting to remotely with an API or something. And then you have to do that with um, inline, essentially, inline JavaScript because you don't have access to upload a JS script because you're using their system. You know, you're in the WordPress world you're, or the Webflow world. You are literally in a walled garden of web development. And it's it's fast. Like 
you can do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that like we figured out how to do with, where I didn't think it was going to be possible with the Webflow system, like CMS and that. But as I got better, yeah, okay, I can do this. I can do this logic and flip these switches and have the customer flip this so it'll actually change the whole page up and that type of thing. I can absolutely do that. But when you hit those limitations, like if I need to upload a massive PDF, nope, that's it, too bad, not happening. And it's expensive. And on top of that, it's not like standard hosting. It's not standard hosting in which Webflow only hosts the website. It doesn't host anything else. It doesn't host email. There's no, there's no web mail there. It doesn't host, uh, it doesn't really host, uh, well, it hosts databases, like relevant databases that, you know, for your CMS and that type of thing. But it doesn't host databases in general. Like if you just need generic databases installed for whatever reason, you have just have like a fixed database you do reference for some reason. You can't do that. There's no DNS. DNS points to Webflow. You know, you set two A records and a C name. You do not do anything else with Webflow. You do it does not handle DNS. It does not handle anything like that. It does not handle, or you can't really handle the database stuff too much. You can't really do a lot of that stuff. And a lot of the stuff is a fair or a fair bit of the more advanced features. So, for example, the full API for the CMS is hidden behind a paywall in which you have to go up a tier. Um, if you want more information put into your CMSs per pages, because there's a limit on how many fields, I believe it's 30. I believe it's 30. I don't remember. But if you're getting into like super complex pages, you're limited there and you have to upgrade your hosting. But I and, and I haven't confirmed this, but I'm sure or I'm not I shouldn't say I'm sure because I haven't confirmed it. But I would assume that there is another limit, even if you upgrade your hosting past, let, let's hypothetically say it is 30. If it's 30 fields, you need to go above it. You upgrade your hosting. And I assume, again, I'm assuming that there's another limit. That's probably a hard limit. And so it's like, well, you hit 100. That's it. Too bad. And it's like, well, I need 105. No, 100. That's it. With WordPress, maybe there's a limit like that. But you generally can kind of hack into it and kind of, you know, force it to do another five right do it force it to do 105 fields rather than just 100 that type of thing that, that's sort of where you're at with wordpress where you can kind of massage it to do what you want whereas webflow is like no this is how it is you know please use external resources somehow if you want to do things externally so with that being said i'll kind of pass it off to mike this is for his comments based on that long-winded explanation yeah uh, okay, so it sounds like although Webflow would be great for getting something up really quickly, it in the future it might be limiting to us in a few different ways. Like let's say we wanted to host um, a bunch of PDF files, like uh, we have guides, PDF guides, and they're about 10 megabytes, we have to do our own hosting solution and then link it up to, to Webflow. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive to what we want to accomplish. I mean, it's doable, but it sounds counterintuitive. And then <clears throat> on the other side, WordPress, first of all, it seems like a pretty long uh, learning curve, for, especially for us. Like I went, I went in and looked at it as well, and I looked at the templating, like how they handle templating with their PHP coding and stuff like that. And I know PHP pretty bad. Like I'm fairly bad with PHP, but I've used it here and there. For me, it was a little bit like, I don't want to say it was way over my head, but like just looking at it quickly, it wasn't clear to me what was like how to structure a website. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm talking like how to like lay it out as in HTML and CSS. Uh, th that to me wasn't clear. And that, that kind of threw me off of it. Um, now, having said that, I want to throw a little bit of a wrench in the WordPress game 
they have a fully accessible JSON API. And what that means is that anything that you do on the back end, so any po like any set of collections you, co you, you make, any set of posts you make, that is fully accessible through an API and therefore fully integratable into any website that you make. So if even if you make your own custom, you know, just JS, HTML, CSS website with no frameworks, all you would have to do is do an Ajax request to the WordPress backend, and it would give you all the posts that you would need to display on your page and stuff like that. And that's free. That's 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 not a plugin. That's built in to WordPress, and apparently it's built into WordPress for a long time. And that's why I think it's it's one of the biggest, like more used frameworks out there. Because think about it, you have a client that's already familiar with WordPress that that's been using it for years. Not only like now you can create a completely custom solution for them on the front end not using any frameworks or using the framework that you like, like maybe you like react maybe you like view their back end stays the same their back end is now separated from the front end so that gives um and i actually i got some of this information from the syntax uh podcast that was recently released on uh, headless cmss i highly recommend people listen to that it's like 20 minutes long it's a quick like discussion on what a headless cms is and they discuss this in in a little bit more detail than i will uh so shout, shout out to a syntax podcast on that check it out um but essentially, what, what it allows you to do, again, is to tie in any sort of front end to the back end. And the huge benefits of that is obviously you're using the skills that you already know. The, the only thing that you need to know how to do is essentially manipulate uh, JSON. Because on the back end, you're just creating data with you know, the, the, the built-in whatever plugins you, you use or whatever built-in uh, information, like whatever built-in structuring that, that they have. So blog posts and stuff like that. And then that fully exposes their, that JSON to you. On the front end, you need to know how to manipulate JSON. That's fair. But other than that, you're just creating web pages based on the JSON that's being sent to you. And when someone goes in there, and I, one big thing I have with WordPress is that it, the, the, the security vulnerabilities are pretty high. And how people know that the that you have a WordPress site is they usually go into your front end. And if they see all this templating syntax, PHP code in there, they know that you have WordPress and they start attacking you. But with this solution, they would never know that you have WordPress because you're essentially just contacting a backend API. Right. So it's, it's kind of a huge, it's a, that, that security is now no longer an issue. So it, it, it's, a, it's a triple, like, a, I don't know, it's a pretty big edge sword. It's doable, um, especially for client work. I don't know if it's, it's something that we would use for our site. It's possible if you want to take it on or not. But that, that's kind of the wrench that I'm going to throw into WordPress. Um, the other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about quickly uh, and pass it off to you, Matt, is October CMS. So we looked into October CMS for doing a client site recently. Uh, and the limitation of October, and this was kind of shocking to me, is the fact that they don't have that hand-holding that Matt was talking about. And I mean at all, pretty much. So when you're going into edit your site, you're editing markup. And markup as in like div tags and h1 tags and stuff like that. Like so the back, like when you're going into the backend CMS, you're at you're literally editing your site like structure, structure-wise. And they don't have an option to edit like certain fields and only those fields. As far as I can tell, like I, I looked at it for a, a little while, like I'm fairly certain that unless you have some sort of really, really custom plugin and I couldn't find any off the bat, you can't do that. Um, the only thing that they I did find was there's a blog post plugin where it'll actually do rich text fields and stuff like that. But that's like, you know, only blog posts, so not structure of pages. So if you want to edit the about us section, you literally have to tell your client, okay, go into here, go into the markup so find the the text that you want to edit in the markup so between the div tags 
and then edit it. And I, in my opinion, that is a ludicrous thing to do to ask your client to do because we have clients that have trouble editing text fields. If we're going to tell them to edit inside of a massive text editor that has a bunch of different markup and try to find their text, there is absolutely there's 100% chance that they're going to delete the wrong structure and all your other site's going to just be jank. I, I don't see any way of you can use that. But the thing that I want to point out is that it is kind of interesting for developers because it's a quick, it's almost like an inline editor for you. So you don't have to spin up, like once you have your site already, you don't have to spin up, you know, your development environment and have to edit a bunch of things. You edit right inside of the October, the, like the live CMS that's on, that's in the, like on your server. So you, it's a quick way to to edit things here and there, and it is very customizable. Plus, it uses JS syntax. Like, it seems to me uh, that it might be an option for us, Matt. That's why I kind of want to bring it up. And I and I don't know, I don't know what we like what we want to do with this. But I, I believe that there's a couple of advantages. Is that yes, it does. We don't have to learn PHP from scratch, like I said we would. Like I like we would have to do for probably WordPress templating. Um, and I, I believe it does run on PHP in the back end, so we could host it on a regular host as well. So that's kind of what I want to throw off to you. It's one of those things where we had that we've had this discussion too, where like a lot of the time we want to do a website or we want to do a new thing, whatever it is, a new skill, learning a new skill in order to complement what we're doing for business model. And that was one of the big hesitations that we had and I still have with October is that there is still going to be a learning curve where I have to spin it up, get it to work, right? And then I'm probably going to try to do some quality of life improvements where I hold even our hands for a bit because it's really super convenient to type in, you know, the title, tab, type in this, tab, and you're going to get super fast editing the site. And that's sort of what we want, right? Because um, the site is supposed to complement the fact that we do do client work. So it needs to be quick. And... Yeah, I totally agree with with October though in terms of a – I almost call it a developer CMS where, yeah, there's a bunch of plugins and stuff like that and it can absolutely be used for customers. There's, not, there's no doubt there. But if you're using Markup, like their intro video – like I haven't really looked at their plugins and that type of thing. But their intro video shows them editing Markup and it, like just making a DOM essentially. They're just making an HTML file and it's like what are you guys doing? Like – this like customers aren't going to be able to do this because customers need me to train them on my hand holding method. Now I'm not calling them dumb or anything like that. That's literally what is supposed to be happening. We're the technical experts. They hired us to help them. I made the tech easy to understand. Then I trained them how to use it. And now they're able to go off and do it. Could you imagine how much training it would be for that? You're literally training them to make, you're literally training them. They were using unordered lists and ordered lists. I saw them in the intro video. They're not going to – customers aren't going to remember OL and LI and how to open and close stuff. They're not going to remember that. And you could say, well, oh, well, markup's really easy. Yeah, fantastic. You're probably a developer. You know, sit down. A customer doesn't understand that because he's too busy selling cars or whatever he does. You know, they're not supposed to be learning that stuff. For us, it's fine. But it's just weird that – like, I don't understand how we can't have – like, right now – and I and and we haven't looked a lot at third party solutions, but like why a massive standard hasn't come out where people are holding their customers' hands through editing editing software. Like if WordPress literally had a whole bunch of like editable fields and all this crap that was like native, you know, we could use toggles, you all this. I would probably have just jumped right in there and started figuring it out because I found a video like what you were saying you're having you were having trouble laying out 
you know, figuring out where, where what goes where. This guy literally starts. He goes, all right, here's an empty folder. This is what we got to do. You got to create a header or a this or that, a footer or a whatever. And then he starts breaking it up. And then he like he'll like make common mistakes intentionally. Be like, okay. See how we did this? Yeah. Well, now we do this in regular HTML, but we actually want to cut this out and move it over to this file because WordPress looks here and scans it like this. So this is why we do it like – so like that is where I would follow, where I would literally start that video over and be like, okay, I need to make this and make this and make this. And I would literally probably make his little little like test template, and then I would go from there. The thing with WordPress though is that you're talking in almost another language. WordPress is very WordPress, if that makes sense. Um, one of the things that we had a discussion was I could ab- I can absolutely learn it. I know very little PHP. I literally know enough PHP to uh, fight the odd you know couch CMS thing that I that I encounter or WordPress you know in the past. That that's how much PHP I know. I don't use it. Um, I know like HTML, CSS, and JS, and Mike knows JS way better than me. And so it's one of those things where I can learn PHP. You know I know how to understand programming as a general concept. I can learn PHP. That's not a problem. But th- now we're talking about, oh, just learn PHP, you know, like just learn PHP, you know, learn the WordPress language, learn all the API, learn WordPress. Um, and I mean, like learn WordPress, like make themes, don't use a theme, don't use a template, you make themes, um, make the templates. And so with that, with that, it's like, like I told Mike, like, I'm going to lose all my other information in my head. Like I'm going to lose that my skill rather. I'm not going to really remember much about Webflow. Um, you know, I'm going to remember it a bit and I'll have to have a big refresher, but right now it's super fresh in my mind. I use it all the time for customers. And so it's one of those things where, you know, is it worth losing all that? Um, couch is really, you know, really, I would say suited for more simple sites, not like massive websites. Uh, and again, in my opinion. And so as a result, I would lose my couch CMS stuff and couch is something we would definitely use for somebody who just wants like a, a business car website. Couch is perfect. Uh, your standard, your standard website where your standard kind of, you know, five pager business website with a slider and a couple of things. Yeah. That's, that's all couch territory, man. You know, that's, that's what you should be using. And couch is a very simple CMS that allows the handholding. And, and I keep coming back to that because I think, I think from a UX perspective, that's required. And even for me, like we have in our unstyled, it's unstyled, our unstyled, uh, admin panel in our current Vue.js website, like HTML, all the things right now has an unstyled admin panel for Mike and I to edit. That thing has handholding. I literally check boxes for what goes in the availability bar. Some stuff's filled in automatically. Some stuff isn't, you know, there's, there's a, there's a place where I paste the, the embed code. What I don't want is for me to have to make a big file where I tell customers, okay, always copy and paste this into the, the rich text field or something, right? That's what I'm worried about. And I know what a bunch of WordPress devs are probably thinking when they hear this is that just use templates. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. But coming back to that original skill thing that I mentioned is one of the things that we mentioned is like, I'd like to learn. If I want to learn the skill, I want to learn the skill and then use it. And so now I've become a WordPress dev and now I'm now I'm solely doing WordPress for everybody. And that's like a big difference. Right? That's a big change. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's a big change from our original vision, our original thing where we were trying to make everything from scratch, right? Like this is a big difference. Even Webflow was a big difference for us, really. You know, what we – like that was a big jump. That took us, what, Mike, a month or something? We like researched it and everything else. Went, we went through it with a customer and he was like, I like this this feature set. Let's go kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
I think that was a month or at least two weeks of, you know, kind of going back and forth just with general, you know, kind of communication. And so this is like, this is a big step for us. And, and I don't know where we want, where we sit exactly. Um, because yeah. I think because you 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 were saying one of the big things actually you know kind of throw a wrench in it, that, uh, I don't know if throwing a wrench at each other is the right way to like pass the conversation like I want to throw a wrench at you Mike <laughs> clang like yeah. you could dodge a wrench you could dodge a ball but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway so I'm gonna like bring up another point then I guess to be more formal um about WordPress is one of the things that we discussed was you were saying it's probably pretty easy to get WordPress clients like people who want to use WordPress people who do whatever. I, I have a – there's a weird thing where a lot of our clients would not be able to or would not want to use WordPress. And the reason why that is is for some reason – I don't know what it is. A bunch of companies out there, they all they use templates and they use WordPress and that's how they do their thing. They use Squarespace. Some of them do. Like whatever. I don't care. Go ahead. That's fine. Not say anything against you. Half our clients want these like ridiculous custom pages where it's like – I don't know how to do that in WordPress. Like, I don't know how to like, I can't download a template and then tack that on. That's a massive difference. You know, they want like some crazy page that like pulls data in and I don't know, does all this stuff. And it's like, dude, literally it's going to take me like an hour custom with a whole bunch of custom code. It's going to take me forever to figure out how to get that thing to work in WordPress. Now, whether that's due to our own ignorance of WordPress, sure. But there's that learning curve again. You know, what do I do? Do we spend all this time learning this skill? And then that delays the site again. The site's going to be delayed because I'm going to have to sit there and learn WordPress. And I don't want to use, I think we've decided, like I've already started designing a, like I said, a, a layout and then all that for the new, the new hat site. So it's like, I'm pretty sure we're not going to want to use a template with work with uh, Webflow. We didn't want to use a template with Webflow. We like you can use templates in Webflow, but we didn't want to use templates in Webflow. We want to make our own thing from scratch. So as a result of that, now what are we looking at? So this actually brings up something that I wanted to mention that I didn't mention because I like kind of discovered this or kind of was thinking about this after we had our conversation in person. Like so, I'll kind of throw this in there too. Is I wonder if all of these concerns and whatever the heck we're bringing up to the table right now are actually stemmed from the fact that we don't make templates for a living and we don't use them for a living either. And what I mean by that is with a template, you have to think in a very different way. You have to think in, and I'm going to try to, if we use Webflow, I'm actually going to try to do this, is you have to think in a very different way in that you have divs that can be reused all over the place, not just on the page. You know, maybe it's used a hundred times on one page, whatever, but reused across a whole bunch of stuff that have properties that are going to affect a bunch of things. A prime example is a main content wrapper that always like, you know, squeezes to 50% or something like that. And always like, you know, decides to stack on top of one another when it gets to a certain screen size. Like that's a major, like that's a very simple, but yet a major system in terms of responsivity, right? Big div that's across the whole screen, or maybe there's a sidebar there, and then the sidebar eventually pops underneath it when the screen gets too small, and then you know goes full width. That's a big thing. When you're doing a template, you have to kind of think about that a little bit differently because you want to name it generically. You don't want to call it the home sidebar. You're going to want to call it like you know I don't know uh, twenty sidebar twenty, which is twenty percent the width or whatever. And you want to have like very generic systems that all the pages can fit into. And then like you're 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 trying to create more rigid things, right? 
You're trying to create divs that you can reuse on multiple pages so that people can just copy and paste them. Like in, in, in Webflow, one of the big things of Webflow is that literally the template is like, here's the template. Like it's basically like, the, like you've copied the person's HTML and CSS and it's really like, here you go. Here's your template. Go ahead and literally change anything you want. Enjoy. And that's it. Like that's, that's Webflow's template. Um, that's one of the big benefits is because I can just go in there and start ripping it to shreds immediately. I can just go in there and delete it. And then just <laughs> like, I've bought it for no reason or like, I think some are free and then just, so like that, just to kind of bring it back to that point is I think when people are working with and making templates, like when they're in the template realm, they're thinking in a more generic way because they want to reuse assets and they want to reuse those assets and they want to reuse those codes because a thing like a standard blog should be reused. Like you're not going to make a video page. Like let's say you have a video page, a video type of post, and then a blog type of post. Blog has a bunch of writing. You know, it has other things like media. So like it has like pictures and maybe a couple embedded videos. But then let's say this website is video heavy. So you also have a different type of post, which is called videos. Your video post is going to have the same title, the same byline, the same author, the same share bar, the same everything. But it's going to have to be optimized only and solely for video things. So they're going to try to reuse as much of that code from before. We do the same thing. You know, you, you should do it being efficient. But I think that the generation process is thought of more when you're doing templates. I think that templates are – I think that's why you and I actually struggled with making templates. Because a lot of the time I'll start putting things together and I'm like, shit, people aren't going to understand what this – this class name is like, I got to redo this. Like you, it, it's a different mindset. It, it's mm -hmm. the same code. You know, we know how to do it. We could do it today. We could start right now and start making a template, but we would have to go in and like refactor stuff and be like, okay, customers, um, which are probably developers are going to actually see this code. Generally, you know, if it's a, if it's a standard HTML, CSS template, they're going to see this code. We got to clean this up because even though it's efficient and it runs fine, we have to make sure this is, you know, human readable. People understand what's going on. We don't have duplicate divs where we have two divs with exactly the same properties because that's inefficient. Like, I think it's a different, it's a different experience. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll kind of toss that to you, Mike, is whether you think that's, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of pose a question. Do you think that that's kind of one of the big problems we're having with WordPress is that it's, it's, it's a part of this template community, if you will, there's nothing wrong with that, but we're just so far away from it. And it's such a different way of thinking. Whereas Webflow, the reason why we're okay with Webflow is because setting up a PHP, you know, thing where you constantly have to fill in the blanks, like literally having a form where you have to fill in the blanks, have toggle switches, the whole bit is kind of a pain, but we want to have control over that front end at least. And with Webflow, you kind of do, or it's the closest you can get anyway. Yeah. I, okay. So I'll, I'll answer your question. So I don't. I don't know. I got, I've created. I think one or two temp. Two, maybe two templates. Um, with with what you're saying in mind. With like, I know that a, a developer is going to be seeing this code, so it has to be human readable. It has to be extensible. It has to work. Like you have to be able to take this div, put it somewhere else, and within the bound, like you create the bounds, right? Like you say, like these are reusable components that you can use on any page. These are the things that you can't. Like these are the, like if you don't mention it, you can't use that on any page without having to adjust it. So with that in mind, that's how I usually like, that's how I created those templates. Um, I don't know if I did a great job at it. I, I think someone recently actually on our discord took one of our templates uh, and started using it. And so I would like to know actually how, how that whole experience went because that'll give really good feedback on if I was, 
you know, forefront enough or if I thought forward enough to make it readable and usable by a developer. But I agree with you that it's a completely different mindset when you're coding like for a client or something for yourself or for other developers to use. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to do it, though, to be honest, because I think like, yes, you shouldn't be always in like the full template mindset, but there should be a hybrid. So you should be always coding in a sense that you yourself will have to look back on it in five years and understand everything. And not only that, maybe if we bring on a, you know, another person, they have to be able to come back and look back on it and understand it. So I think that's where we all have to be coding in that mindset. It's very difficult to do that all the time. And I fully understand like time constraints are very like, I don't do it all the time. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to be better at it because I'm again, I'm working in more of a team environment. So I have to make sure that people can read my code. But even I get caught up with like leaving comments in where they shouldn't be in commenting out sections and leaving them there for a little while and then having to go back and refactor it at a later date. Really, you shouldn't be doing that if you're ever checking in your code and you know that someone might be reading that check in that commit. There shouldn't be, you know, random commented out sections. There shouldn't be variables that are named A and B and C that have no information about the actual thing. Like everything should have a everything should be readable and understand understandable either through a comment that you've added to it or through the actual code that you're writing. That's how you should be coding. That's not exactly how everyone codes all the time because it's very tough to do at a, on a time constraint and stuff like that. And I've again, I've been trying to fix that, but I don't think anyone's ever going to be 100% amazing at that. That's for sure. Now, with that being said, I want to throw something back at you, uh, throw a, a point back at you. So I mentioned the headless CMS route with the WordPress or really anything in the back end. Let's say like any sort of back end and and then doing just regular, like this is for our site, just to be clear, for the HTML thing site, doing everything in regular vanilla JavaScript, like HTML, CSS, JS. So you literally lay it out however you want with your with your the skills that you have now and use the use any backend that we find to, to generate the content. And like how I see this working, and this is again, us, Matt and I talking about what we're actually might be doing is maybe you do a like you know a dummy layout with like dumb, dummy content and then you and i together go look at a back end and see how we can create that content in a back end and then i'll help you with the json manipulation for like calling calling the site getting the content and generating it on the on, on the front end you know what i mean like it should it's not very difficult to do that it's, it's literally just an ajax request is what i'm saying and then manipulating json do you do you have any questions about that do you have any, like, does that make sense to you? Or is that, do you think that that's like, what, what, what are your thoughts on the headless route? Like, do you understand how that would work? You know, to be plainly honest with you, it, 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 the first thing that popped in my mind when you started mentioning this is it kind of sounds like we should make our own CMS. And like, that's a whole other discussion. Um, it kind of sounds like we have our own ideas and our own ways to like, try to put this together. Because if we're trying to do like, would... And like I'm naive in this. Yeah, in this no, but that's what I'm trying to get um, at. It's like you're not something the only like, one that's going to be asking these questions. Would something couch, couch is not going to be couch CMS is not headless. No, it's not headless. I'm trying no. to like imagine what you mean by headless. Okay, so a headless is literally you writing just like it's two separate projects essentially. So it, it, it's two... that WordPress JSON thing. Exactly. That's like that's I'm literally saying. that that's headless right there. That's completely I, headless. So I'm WordPress, getting caught up on the fact yeah. that you're using WordPress. I think that's what I'm yes. getting. So Word, okay. WordPress headless WordPress is just 
just generating JSON APIs. WordPress has that built in. Yeah. That's headless. Okay, so like essentially, I'm just going to give an example. Yep. Essentially, if you were making an app, okay, and you used Webflow, I understand Webflow is not headless, but Webflow has an API for their CMS. Essentially, that's like a headless relationship. Yes. Because you're you're writing in your blog or whatever, and then you want to pull in just your featured articles into your featured app. I don't know why you do that, but let's hypothetically. You're not actually typing that information into the app. The app is pulling it from the uh, CMS API from Webflow. You got is it. that considered headless? That is exactly what headless is used for. So headless is not only used for creating a site, like that's the advantage of it, right? So that right. if you create a native application, you can also hit those APIs and get that same information and then lay it out however you want. Okay. So that's exactly what I'm saying for our site. So we use something for the headless. It can even be Webflow. You're right, comfortable yeah, with Webflow, yeah. just the CMS portion. Right. Well, and then you, you, you create a completely custom JavaScript, CSS, JS, yeah. front-end solution for it. Yeah, I suppose you could do it with Webflow because... Why not? You could buy the... I mean, you'd have to buy the hosting. Um, but you could buy the hosting, use... And this is all hypothetical, because I haven't tested this, but, like, you could... In my head, you could use... You could buy the, the CMS hosting. You could type all your information. Like, you make your CMS, right? Make it all. Like, you make the fields and all that. And do the helper text, all the labels, whatever. You make all that. And then having not seen the API myself, I assume it's relatively easy to pull that information. Yes. So you have the CMS with the toggles and everything else control what's, you know, quote unquote being displayed. And then based on all that logic, we would just read it remotely. You would read all that information and then pull it in. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's so, expensive. That's expensive with Webflow because you're hosting the CMS. Yeah. It's going to be like 20 US dollars a month, I think. Plus, the it might, that... it, Webflow might not be the best way to go, regardless, because it's it, you'll still have the same limitations as we had before, with like the 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 PDFs and the amount of fields and stuff like that. Sure. But essentially, anything like a, even a WordPress or there's many many other headless CMSs. All we'd have to do is manipulate it enough to be able to just like essentially store and then send out our data, the the data that we need, which is essentially just blog posts for the right. most part. Right, 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 right. That's all we would really need. Just to collect the different collections of blog posts with a bunch of different information in it. So, and toggles and stuff like that, depending on what what we ask for. It's kind of sad. All this, all this makes all this makes it sound like there's a huge hole in the CMS market. Why? It's just I don't know whether I'm totally off base, but it just it just sounds to me like there's this is almost the same sort of discussion in terms of like this is almost the same sort of discussion we had before making making this podcast is is like we wanted something that was more developer friendly like you know syntax is developer friendly but like it's it ta they talk more at an advanced level and we wanted to just sort of have discussions like this where i'm like what the heck is a headless thing what do you, yeah. you know i don't know i don't really touch that every day so i don't know um and we want to just like have those discussions and like that doesn't really happen on syntax because they're you know they're talking about more advanced things and like these this almost seems like the same sort of discussion obviously it's about templates but the same type of discussion it's in the same realm as when we were like well, there's, it seems like there's a hole in the in the podcast market for people that talk like we're doing right now. It almost sounds like there's a hole in the CMS market where why isn't somebody making this easier? Like, why are we doing this headless thing when we could just make a CMS work really easily? Like, it sounds like it's it's totally possible. Like, you could do that headless thing. Like, the headless idea, right? Use the CMS that you want or whatever. Why don't you just make a good CMS in the freaking 
Like, just do it right away. Like, just do it right there. I don't know. Like, it's you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I kind of do, but like, there's a lot of the, the issue is is that we've looked at a very small portion of CSSs that are out there. There's like hundreds and thousands, even. Yes, um, yeah, of course. So yes. there might be there might be some that like really fit our bill, right? Like, we just haven't invested all. Like, I mean, it it would we'd be investing all our time looking for a CMS and then testing it out and like, like figuring it out. That's, that's, I think where the issue is. Um, I don't think that there's a need for another amazing CMS out there to be honest, because, and, and this ties into the headless thing is because headless is becoming such a big thing right. and it makes so much sense on a couple different levels is because like, I was trying to, um, there was someone on a discord, him and I were having a discussion about what he should start learning to do full stack development. Right. And, to do like, and I was thinking like, okay, let's full ta- full stack development. So maybe like Node.js, MongoDB, Express, and then use like handlebars as the templating engine and stuff like that. Everything built into Node.js, but that really limits you with what you can do and how you structure your content and stuff like that. Whereas if you learn how to instead do like you know full stack development, learn how to create an API, which is essentially a headless CMS. Right, and all an API means is that you're hitting an endpoint and it's sending back information. If you learn how to create that API, then you can use just regular vanilla JavaScript without any dependencies, nothing on your front end, and create anything you want. And then in the future, if you want to create an app, you can create an app. In the future, if you want to create a Vue.js front end, you can do that. But your back end stays the same, and it's still providing the same exact information. You never have to update it. Whereas if you wanted to go from like a completely new like if you wanted to go to a different backend, then you have to migrate all that information and stuff like that, and then change your front end as well because it's using a templating front end. You know what I mean? Like, if you're changing CMSs on a whole without headless, it's a pain in the ass to go from one to the other. Whereas if you have, if you keep them separate, one can be changed without the other having to change that much. And then that that provides extensibility, it provides security. Like I said, no one knows which backend you're using, so therefore they can't do a targeted attack on your backend. Right. That's how. So it's just like, to me, the headless CMS route is the one that's replacing all the other routes because it just, it's almost, I don't know, it's, it's tough to see a point other than speed. Like if you, if you buy a template, it's tough to see a point in, in doing the other route anymore because it's the maintainability aspect of it doesn't make sense anymore. Like, like I said, like you can spin up sites really quickly in just JavaScript, CSS, and JS as far as HTML, like HTML and CSS. Like yeah. you can just go in like w- with whatever layout you have, go in regular web server, just spin, spin that, spin up like a layout of that. That is a fairly quick thing for you to do. We, just, we just did it. We did it in two days for one customer. Just like, Oh, you want this? Okay, here you go. So speed wise, it's good. Yes, we have to tie in an API with a CMS at the back end. And we have to create we have to majigger the CMS to be able to pump out the content that we want to pump out. But I think let's say you 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 create this great dummy looking website in the front end. That will I think that's a good first step because then we'll know exactly what information we need the back end to send it. Because you create the those posts, you create each page. And yeah, yeah. we'll be like, okay, well, this page will definitely need a you know, title tag, uh, like uh, these, this, these toggles to be able to work, stuff like that. Like, as soon as you create that front end, we can start looking at a back end. We can start create. We can even create our own JSON and then create a structure in the back end to create that JSON. It's not very hard to 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 do that. It's hard to do both at the same time. Right. Like making making a front end 
using a new templating language that you don't know, like October or whatever, that's more difficult. That's a harder spin up. But when, if you can just create that front end separately from the back end, and then we'll integrate it with the CMS, the headless CMS, I think that that's the, the fast route. You know what I mean? Like that's the, first of all, you're using this, this goes with your, with your point of not using any dependencies. Right. On the front end. Right. Like, so you can create whatever modules you want. You can create whatever content you want on the front end. And then the back end, like it becomes just separate, like completely, you know, standalone thing that a, we can test, try out, maybe move to a different one if we don't want to at some point without having to do anything on the front end. So I don't know, like, I don't think you can, I can, I'm not going to ask you to answer in this conversation if you want to do that. Right, right, right. Because like, I think you need to kind of look at it yourself. But if you have any questions, I think it's good to ask them now so that people can hear the the answers about it. But I think as this is going, we need to kind of, I, I think we're going to skip web news for this for this episode because this is kind of a web news. This entire segment is a web news. Yeah, because I was about to say, like, I mean, you're on a bit of a time crunch right now. Um, yeah. You're about, you have to get to a meeting, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is this has been all all discussion, all yeah. conversation. So, yeah, I, I agree. Because one of the things I was going to actually mention is that when I was researching CMSs, I did find a couple that were, you know, thirty dollars a month, twenty dollars a month, something like that. I can't remember the name of them, but it was because they host the information there, and I didn't really understand. I was like, well, like, I understood. Like, I you know, I, I understand the fact that you can pull information remotely, obviously, but like, I was just sort of like, why the heck would you do that? But like, now that it's been explained. What's interesting to me is that is that there isn't that necessary attachment, if you will. Like there is an attachment or like like there can be like like we were always designing it with with the fact that like WordPress and its templating engine or its theming engine, whatever you want to call it, it downloading templates and installing them is very much attached. And yeah. so that's sort of like the standard and WordPress is older, right? I mean, it's up to date, but it's you know, it, it's older, it was invented a long time ago. And so a long time ago in terms of tech. So anyway, like it is very much the old way to the older way to do things. Whereas this this sort of makes a lot more sense because if you know, I'm not saying we want to make an app, but like you, you could you could make yeah. an app. You could make a podcast app. Um, you know, if we wanted to just have a podcast app for whatever reason, you could do that. You could just filter by the podcast type posts. And there would just be like a flag in the in the CMS and whatever. Like, I mean, we would have to find a CMS that we like where it has the toggles, it has all that. Because I do want the handhold even for us, even though we understand what's going on. As we've found out, and we've mentioned this on the show, that when your UX is bad just because you're the one using it, you actually won't want to use it that much. You can absolutely sacrifice some stuff. Like our, like I said, our admin panel is not styled, so it doesn't look great. But it, you know, it interacts the same way as anything else. You know, we have all we have those handholding things. Check these off. Select this in a drop down. Open this title. Like it's labeled and everything fine. It just doesn't look amazing. So we sacrificed that, right? A customer would be like, "What the hell is this?" But in terms of in terms of actually having bad, like imagine uh, imagine if our availability bar was just us like constantly like copying and pasting like a piece of code. Yeah, like, that would be terrible. One of doable. Doable, terrible. absolutely doable. Well, one of the things that we constantly forget is you know how like we always have that you can find us on and then we like list all the social medias and stuff like that. Um, we I often forget that because it's a copy paste. It's not something that's just tagged on, or it's it always needs to be there, but yet it's never just tagged on. And like that's a UX problem. Yeah. And like it's it's not the fact that I'm being like lazy. I always forget it. Now imagine that times like a hundred, where you you've made a bunch of sacrifices in other areas. 
Mm-hmm. Now your UX is so bad that you're just like, man, I don't want to use this. This is a nightmare. So, that, so like this headless thing is a is an interesting development. Mm-hmm. It, the only thing I keep getting caught up on, the only thing I keep getting caught up on is not the technology, is it's it's the fact that it's like so many other web devs use WordPress. What are we doing? Like, like should we be doing that? Well, are, we leaving, are we leaving a ton of money on the table? Like that, that is where I get my, that this is like, you know, just straight up business thought, if you will, capitalist thought. Are we leaving money on the table? You know, it's just nothing wrong with someone approaching us and being like, I have a WordPress blog and I want to redo it. Can we do that? So you know, we can, me, but yeah, we absolutely can. And, and we would. Yeah. The thing, the thing with, okay. So we were mentioning the fact that WordPress is so common, like it's, it's so popular because it's so common and it, it was like, it's the biggest one and everyone knows how to use it. So the, the client is already familiar. Usually if they're asking for a WordPress site, that means they're usually familiar with a WordPress site. Now I, I did mention a thing where WordPress is kind of like uh, Kleenex is to napkins where people don't know what they're at. Like if they ask for a WordPress site, all they're really meaning is that I want a site that I can edit myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you can give them a different site and they, I'm going to say most of them won't know the difference because they can edit it themselves. It looks kind of the same. It doesn't matter. But let's say that someone really wants a WordPress site or they have a lot of information in their WordPress already done. Yeah. Okay. The great thing is, is that every WordPress has a API built in. Let's say they already have a blog website. They already have a massive website and we're like, okay, well you want a better one. We create our own front end and just use their API. So they don't even have to change all their information. Right. So that's, again, another benefit of a headless CMS. That's another benefit of WordPress now is that no one has to like a new client comes up to us and they're like, yes, I have a bake like I I have a bake shop and I have like a bunch of recipes on a site that I have. And I've been using WordPress for 10 years and it's just running really slow. It's, It's not working very well and stuff like that. But I have a lot of information there. I need to I need to have a new site like I need a new site. Now we could go in there and start manipulating their template and try to optimize a few things, or we could literally create our own new site on whatever front end that we want, whether it be vanilla JS or whatever, and just tie it to the, the, the thing that they already have through the API. They don't have to re-enter any new information. We already have all the content. We don't have to data entry anything that saves them money, saves us time. It's that's why I think WordPress is still very relevant is because they thought of this a long time ago. Like this is this is something that's been in WordPress as far as I know for years and years and years. The API. We're learning about it now because now it's becoming really popular to have a headless CMS, but this like it makes sense now because the JSON parsing technologies are ha- are catching up and it's really easy to go through JSON and create your own thing with just JSON. And that's what WordPress gives you. So in in my eyes do I see it like do I see a, a value in learning WordPress? Yes, but I think where we're at, like we had we've had this discussion last week, where we're at, we should be learning, we should be sticking to our guns, where we know how to make a website really well and really efficiently with good security and et cetera, et cetera, for like for a decent for a decent price. We decided to go away from WordPress for a reason, but I think this new headless route, like if a, if a customer were to come to us and said that we need a we need a new website and we have a WordPress, I think this is absolutely a thing that we could do because again they're familiar with how to edit everything. We don't even have to teach them anything. You know what I mean? Like we create only the front end 
it's still a big task and it's still a huge performance improvement because again they're just going to be running J straight js code or whatever framework we choose code rather than going through the whole templating process of wordpress and we get to host it wherever we want like it, it to me it seems like it is something that we should definitely look at in depth and see how how well we can integrate it like if you can again it could be a pass off system where you create the entire front end with static content and then we pass it off to someone else to tie in the WordPress API. Pass it off to me, pass it off to someone else. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it could be that easy. Yeah, honestly. Because I mean, we have, we like, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm doing the layout now. Yeah. Um, and then once that's done, it's kind of like we're off to the races. It's like, where, you know, basically, where do we want to go? Because everyone, every place for the most part is like custom UI. You know, you could do it. You know, you don't have to use a WordPress template, like a pre-made one. You can make your own or whatever and then just like kind of go with it from there. And so like, I mean, we don't even need to use a WordPress template. We could just, I could just make a thing that isn't a WordPress template and then just right. have it plug into WordPress. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think one of the things that we kind of decided at this point too, and I'll like kind of mention this because um, now, because I know you have to take off soon, mm -hmm. is one of the things that we kind of decided was like, we, we were kind of like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we found that it was delaying our decision. And so we were like, all right, well, one thing that we know we need to do is figure out the layout. And so as a result of us needing to find the figure out the layout, regardless, let's just move ahead with that. Um, and that's sort of where I think we're still at, right? Like we're like, obviously still making the, the thing, but like one of the, one of the things I, I, I think this is like, I think it's important to mention is that people I think would get stuck up on the CMS discussion but they don't realize that there's work that could be done now. And with this headless thing, you know, if we decide, if all we decide is headless, we don't even yeah. decide what template it is. If we just decide headless, now it's unlocked another section of work, right? Yep. And so I think this is kind of an important thing for people who get in a deadlock for decision-making is some, like oftentimes there's something that you can do because it needs to be done regardless. Sometimes there's something that you are set in stone against or for. And so you could just kind of jump in and do it. And that's exactly what we're doing is now we're slowly moving forward. But like, if I hadn't started the design, if I hadn't started this, I haven't started that. Now we're so much further behind. Like we're literally like two or three days behind where we are now. Right. The design has to be done. Yep. It has to be done. It has to be discussed no matter what it is. So like, therefore we'll just be done. That's, I think that's an important lesson in and of itself. And with this headless CMS thing, that's really interesting because it does really allow us to stick to our guns, really allows us to just sort of stick, stick with what we know almost essentially. Yep, exactly. So I, I think like, honestly, with, with that being said, uh, we, we got to wrap it up unfortunately, but with, I think you hit every nail on the head there. And I think this discussion was extremely valuable, not only for our business and moving forward, but for everyone that's listening, because this is the kind of thing you go through, uh, whether it be on your own or if you have a business partner or whatever, or you have a client, these are the kinds of decisions that you have to make as you're going through, like which, which method is the right method. Each method that we discussed today is the right method for someone for something. So it's not, we're not like, we're not crapping on any methods out there that people are using because it's absolutely, it can absolutely work in almost any situation. But when you're going from it from a fresh perspective and you have a choice, like we do right now with HTML, the things, I think this, this is the thing that opens up so many options and it's so hard to narrow it down. Now, have we narrowed it down today? Maybe like with, with the cut, with the headless CMS thing, that's might be a huge narrow down for us. 
we well, still have to go back. On the table. Yeah, it's another option on the table that could potentially work. So we could, we're going to have to go back, look at it, both of us separately, come back to the table and bring it up. But again, like Matt was saying, he's going to be working on something simultaneously. So it's, it's a really good point. Always kind of try to move forward with the project, regardless of what decisions have been made. Whatever you can do that, that's been set in stone, like we're, we're designing something. So that's set in stone. We're moving forward with that. It, it's, a, it's a great step in the right direction for, for, for you not to like, uh, you know, sit on your, on your butt and do nothing. Because that, that happens really often is like you just talk about it, talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and you do nothing. Whereas that is an extremely counterproductive thing in, in a web development industry. Again, whether it be for your own project or a client object project, everything ha has to be moving pretty quickly. You'll know like when you get to deadline time, it's going to be, it's going to be intensive. So you, you can't be wasting time as you're going through it. So with, with that being said, I'll, I, I think this was a really valuable discussion. Let us know what you think in, on our socials, join our discord and stuff like that. Let us know what you think. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it's time to kind of run the, uh, run the old conclusion here. Um, so uh, thanks for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can find us on the socials via at HTML, all the things that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter, which is at HTML, everything we're on medium and we're on GitHub and we're also on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash HTML, all the things check out the tiers and give that a go. And with that being said, many thanks to our $3 patrons. That's Sean from rabbit works, JavaScript. Uh, you can find him at youtube.com slash rabbit works JavaScript. And again, that's W E R K S uh, Garrick from local path computing and web design. You can find him at local path computing.com Craig, AKA Cosworth, as well as Ryan Gatchel from blue black digital, which is blue black digital.com. And with that all being said, feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and we are signing off. Mm -hmm.